1: Hold on! With no way out, take a peek at what awaits The Damned. If yes, you did, on Friday the 13th, the series. Next week, you will learn the meaning of fear.
0: And you're listening to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the canceled television shows in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre. And on this episode of the Dead TV Podcast, we return to Curious Goods and the Friday the 13th TV series with Season 2. And going through Season 2 all the way through Season 3 until the end of the year, we will be a almost weekly show. We will be basically putting a new episode up of the Dead TV Podcast three weeks out of the month with the exception of the fourth week. And I'm your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Zeneca. And tonight on the show, we have with us a guest from Friday the 13th, the TV series, one of the writers of the show who wrote, uh, anywhere, I think, uh, seven or nine episodes, Jim Henshaw. Jim, you can probably correct us on the number of episodes you wrote.
2: Uh, I think it was five or six were my own stuff, uh, rewrote a lot of the other stuff, so.
0: Ah, okay, gotcha. Well, you actually worked on the two episodes that we're going to be covering, so we're going to jump right into a little bit about, uh, your history with the TV series before Mr. Zedekai and I, uh, let you go and we go on with the podcast discussing the episodes in length. How did you get involved with Friday the 13th, the series? Uh,
2: I was, uh, working on a CBS series called Adderley at the time in Toronto, and, uh, Before they started, they approached me about uh, coming onto the show, and uh, I just wanted to stick with Adderley because we were into our second year, and it it looked like it was going to go on for quite a while. Uh, We got canceled at the end of the second season, at which point, I think Friday the 13th had about three or four episodes left to go in season one. So I came in and did a couple of rewrites for them, and they asked me to stick around.
0: This was like a, a, a former James Bond-style operative show, right? Right. Cool. Yeah, he
2: was a, a spy that was injured on a, on a mission and was relegated to uh, the basement of the, of the building and, and uh, got handed the lowest possible assignments and decided to turn them into something bigger every week.
0: You're actually, you are actually worked on another show that I, I have told Mr. Zeneca um, that I want to cover because, man, there's a lot of crossover in these uh, syndicated TV series uh, between <laughs> Friday the 13th and War of the Worlds. There's a lot of crossover between those two shows, and then other shows like Hercules and Xena, which are also in syndication. Yeah, Tons of crossover stuff, right, Mr. Zeneca? Oh, yeah. <clears throat>
3: Sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean... When we take a look at these uh, shows throughout this kind of time period, the crossover between producers and writers and, and who moves where, it's always amazing to see. And uh, I have loved uh, the Friday the 13th is- series as we have covered it so far. And I know that uh, a lot of the episodes that you actually wrote are further down in the season. So I'm really looking forward to watching those. Cool.
0: The other thing I have to give you absolute credit and kudos for because um Mr. Zeneca, have you ever worked on Star Wars worked on Star Wars Have no. you been in Star Wars? Okay, I haven't been in Star Wars, so I have to give credit where credit's due to anybody who has worked in Star Wars with your work <laughs> on ewoks. <laughs> 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 Love or and my ha- son
3: loves that cartoon
0: Love or yeah. hate the cartoon series Love or hate the two movies that came out Regardless of how you feel Unless you can say that I worked on Star Wars So I can have an opinion about that You really can't Because neither one of us has ever worked in Star Wars before <laughs> And you were the voice of Wicket too <laughs> Yep
2: Yeah, no, I started off as an actor And, and did a lot of cartoon voice work as well I think the first season of Adderly overlapped with uh, the last uh, of the Ewoks, which, so uh, I was actually working on both at the same time.
0: Which is really funny, considering Wicket doesn't talk in either one of the—sorry, uh, in *Return of the Jedi*, but I think he does talk in the Ewok live-action movies too.
2: I think he does,
0: yes. Yeah, so he just uh, goes, I, I, uh, numb. nub I mean, he does have i a, 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 I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. For anyone who corrects me and leaves comments in the section below of this, vid- of this uh, podcast or on our Facebook page, Wicket does talk Ewok, if that's the language, in Return of the Jedi to Leia, but it's not English like it is in the Ewok movies or the cartoon series. Correct. So... <laughs> we
3: just had to clarify that. We have a lot of geeks that uh,
0: listen. Yeah, so I didn't want somebody to be like, hey, correction, actually. (laughs) And I'll be like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) The episode that we're going to be talking about tonight is Doorway to Hell and uh, Mm -hmm. the Voodoo Mambo. What can you tell us? uh, uh, Any interesting tidbits and facts about those episodes?
2: Well, Voodoo, uh, I'll talk about uh, Doorway to Hell first. Um, That was my first uh, solo gig on, on the show. Um, I'd done rewrites of, of other writers and, and sort of assisted on, uh, I think it was called Bottle of Dreams, which was the um, basically a, a a compilation show at the end of season one.
0: Yeah, a clip show. Yeah.
2: And when they got into season two, we uh, flew down to L.A. And, and there was a meeting of all the writers and, and uh, producers on the show. And the WGA had just gone on strike. Because I was a member of the Writers Guild of Canada, uh, the, the deal with Paramount on the show was that half the episodes were written by Canadians and half by Americans. So we were suddenly stuck in a situation where we had to push all the Canadian scripts up into the first half of the season because we didn't know how long the strike would last. I had been hoping to have a little bit of time to get to know the show, get to know the actors, get to know what they could do and what they couldn't do. And that just disappeared. So we decided that we needed to do something that was very effects heavy, kick off the the second season with a big start. So we devised a show. Uh, I think they also had uh, the actor who played Lewis under contract for, I think, one more episode. So we wanted to use him. So Uncle Lewis came back. And we decided to set it all in his house, which kind of um contained it for the most part to offset the budget where we were just going to blow it out with all the effects so it that's how that was the sort of mechanical things that came in, and then I had to weave a story around it.:
0: Where did you come up with um uh, uh jack's um fez wearing middle Eastern friend? <laughs> Rashid, Rashid. Yeah. Which, by the way, I've heard rumors that, uh, and I'm not gonna say where the rumors came from or what source I am citing regarding this, but uh, there was rumors that, uh, Jack, uh, sorry, Chris uh, Wiggins, the, the actor's name, was in contract negotiations and they weren't going very well, and this was like a easily replaceable character, so they introduced Rashid just in case they had to kill Chris off.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know about that. Uh, if there was any contract stuff, I. I certainly wasn't aware of it. Um, I think there was a... Uh, Rashid had been in a couple of episodes in season one.
0: One episode. And
2: one episode, is that he, what it was? He was, okay. in the,
0: he was in the Bottle of Dreams episode.
2: Right, okay. And uh, he. it, it was a, a kind of thing of keeping him around. Uh, they liked the character. They thought maybe they could do stuff with him. Um, we actually, I think, came up with a couple of stories for him. And then ultimately it all went away. And I think there might have been some concern that they were overworking Chris or mm. that he wanted a little extra time off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they wanted somebody they could fall back on. Um, but contract-wise, I just don't know if that was the case or not.
0: Hmm. He's a rather interesting character. I don't know. Um, we we were trying not to watch too far ahead of, of the show, so I don't know if he'll ever sure. return. Um, but uh, you, you, what was of the episodes that you worked on your favorite? Of all of the shows? Of all of the episodes of Friday the 13th. And then, yeah, you can say which show that you, you loved the most, too. Yeah, <laughs> I've that's totally patient. fine. Yeah, so what episode yeah, I, of Friday the 13th think, did you write you loved, and then what show have you worked on that you loved the most?
2: It, to, to be honest, it's the same show. Shows that, other shows I've done, like Adderley, Hop Cops, things like that, much more based in reality. And the nice thing about Friday the 13th was it was just as you could stretch your imagination as far as it could go. And we'd been given a kind of direction by Franklin Cusa Jr. at the beginning of the season. They were getting a lot of pushback um, because of the levels of violence. And everybody just automatically thought that, you know, it was going to be Jason every week and, and all of that kind of thing. And he really wanted to go with psychological horror. Which is really the the major direction change that the show took in season two was we got much more into the heads of the villains, pulled back a little bit on on the gore, um, not not that much. I was going
0: to say episode two, the voodoo one has people having their throat ripped out by a snake. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. We we did tons of stuff that uh, I don't know how we got away with, but it. Um, the general direction was, was, as I say, towards psychological horror. That meant that you, you tended to get deeper into characters than you do on a normal show. And A, a guest character on, a, on an average television series is in there for maybe 15 or 20 minutes, and, and you can get some levels out of them. But really, Friday the 13th, Right from the opening scenes with almost every single one of the villains, you started to see things that were really kind of unsettling. And, and as the series progressed, um, they got more and more unsettling. We, the, the episode that I liked the best was actually the last one we did, uh, which was called The Charnel Pit. I don't know if everybody knows this, but we basically were pushed off the air. Um, by members of the Christian right who were really, uh, there was a a guy named Reverend Donald Wildman who was very much opposed to the show, thought we were promoting Satanism, everything else. Mm -hmm. We weren't. Um, There was a, we, I can't remember the name of this episode, but we did an episode at one point where, where we recreated a Black Mass. But the Latin that we were using in it, if anybody was a Latin scholar, was actually the Teddy Bears Picnic. So these <laughs> these priests would be walking through the forest, you know, in their black robes and their torches and everything, and they're chanting away in Latin. And what they're really chanting is, if we go down to the woods today, you're in for a big yeah. surprise. And
3: I mean, but, to be to be fair, that is very ominous, if said in a <laughs> creepy tone of voice. Uh.
2: Oh, exactly. But I mean, we were. I mean, you know, we obviously weren't trying to to do anything like that. But you but get to But in people the eighties there was that
3: and, satanic panic. You know, yeah, that just
2: exactly he was everywhere. And yeah. he went after our, our uh, sponsors and the sponsors, you know, I mean they didn't know and you know they whether they liked the show or not, they were after the audience and the demographic more than anything else. And finally he got to the point where Paramount went, Look we just can't fight this anymore or we don't want to fight it anymore, whichever the final decision was Um, At which point I I had one more script to write for the season and Frank called me up and and he said, you know, what do you got in mind? And I said, well, nothing yet. And he said, well, let me tell you this. Why don't we, we might as well be hung for a sheep as a lamb. If they're saying we can, we're this way, let's write a show, an episode that is that way and see where it takes us. So, The Charnel Pit was actually a time travel show which involved the Marquis de Sade. And so you got into some really, you know, unsettling kind of stuff. At the same time, as we continued to, I don't want to say pull our punches, but we were gentle about it. And uh, we ended up with a pretty good show. I think Roby and a couple of other people involved in it said it was their favorite episode as well. And it was just a show where we showed what we could really do. And unfortunately, it was just a little too late to save us.
0: Mrs. Zanigan, did you have any other questions for Jim before we let him go?
3: Yeah, since we're actually going to be uh, doing the Voodoo Mambo uh, today, Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask, on that episode, do you remember if there were any uh, religious consultants that uh, worked on the show to uh, make sure of uh, show accuracy?
2: Yes, there were. We had two. Um, We were... Uh, I don't remember where the script came from, uh, but it it wasn't what we ended up with. But everybody wanted to do a Voodoo show, a zombie show, and and all of that. Um, we we talked to a couple of people in Toronto who were from the uh, from Jamaica and had experience with uh, uh, the, the the whole religious thing and we had somebody else from haiti who uh, had been heavily involved and there i mean in the same way that you know we we take a black mass and make it different from what it was we mm-hmm. had to be very conscious of of the fact that we were offending people who, who followed the um their religion you know, yeah and so we we were very careful about it Ultimately, the show I don't think worked very well um we ended up having to re- redo a lot of stuff, reshoot a lot of stuff we We got hold of a, a documentary about voodoo and we we were able to cut some of it into the the show mm-hmm. um the, the, snake the black
3: and white shots
2: yeah yeah, okay. and the um the snake thing the the gag just didn't work no matter w- what we did. Uh, it just never came off the way that it was intended to. Uh, mm-hmm. The whole mask thing with the snake was a, like a combination of things that we just couldn't get to work right. So ultimately, I don't think we were the people that worked on the show were all that happy with it. Um, but you know, when you're when you're doing a new a new episode every seven days, every now and then you just got to let something go. Yeah. And I think of of all the things we did. I'm not going to say it was the worst episode, but it was the episode that we were most disappointed with, because it was so much to work with. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe it was us being a little bit too politically correct and going, well, we we don't want to offend anybody, because unlike the kind of things that you normally get in with horror, with um, exorcists or or whatever, you're dealing with a religion. If you're dealing with Christianity, you're dealing with uh, beliefs that people have, but they have an understanding. Mm-hmm. of different levels of things. We just didn't have either the time or the ability to get that understanding of, of voodoo before we got into it.
3: Yeah, because there's actually a number of different ways that voodoo, voodoo, hoodoo is actually
2: uh, practiced. Exactly, yeah.
3: So so pinning down one for this episode, I, I would think would be a, quite a challenge. There's yeah. many different beliefs, uh, even the terms that you use in the episodes Mean slightly different things than the way yep. you're using them yep,
0: and exactly.
3: uh, yeah it's it's I saw this episode and, and I'm like the occult person on this podcast, right. and I was really I- enjoying this, and, oh, I, good. and the way okay. it was filmed, it portrayed that there was some legitimacy to the information being given on screen right and i and I do appreciate that it was done very carefully uh the characters were warm and inviting um there was a, a good sense of camaraderie as for what was actually going on, even though it is a very complicated uh, plotline.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I actually rather enjoyed the episode. Oh, good. Uh, so, <laughs> so you know, a cult person, yes, uh, in, enjoyed the episode quite a lot. And in my research for the uh, the symbolism and the uh, the way Voodoo is actually represented, I thought was very considerate. Uh, mm-hmm. Even if I may not be familiar with this specific methodology
2: yeah yeah I mean throughout the series, and you'll see this uh, when you get to the two part or the close of season two um we had we did enormous research in, in in some of these things uh we actually worked with a couple of exorcists so that we mm-hmm. knew how that stuff was supposed to work mm-hmm. um, we We worked with different people in um uh, the, the final episode, I don't want to give too much away if you haven't got there yet, but uh, it, it takes place in a convent for a good portion of it. Then it takes place in uh, a place that's a lot like, uh, oh, God, what's the name of the, um, a, a place in Yugoslavia where they have the, these healing waters. And, uh, okay. Medjugorje, I think, or, or something hmm. like that. Um, but we were dealing with, with real, you know, faith. In mm-hmm. in both these situations, voodoo and and Catholicism, and you really have to know, to to a certain extent, enough about it so that you don't offend people, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But that you um, anyway. It it.
3: Uh, well, it, it was do. it was very much appreciated. Uh, I okay. will say that uh, <laughs> you know in in the um, whenever you see Uncle Louis and his symbol symbolism. You know, like on the uh, Doorway to Hell episode, there's a symbol on his cloak, and that is actually a symbol from the 19th century that means, like, pact with the Devil of the Lower Hierarchy. Yeah, I appreciate those touches and those attention pieces of, uh, of detail. So the attention yep. detail is great.
0: Well, cool. Jim, thank you so much for coming on the uh, podcast with us to talk a little bit about the Friday the 13th the TV series. I really appreciate it. More than happy. Thank you so much, and uh, maybe we'll have you back on uh, towards the end of Season 2 to talk a little bit more about the epic Season 2 finale, which leads into a uh, big change for Season 3. Right.
3: We'd love to have you back.
0: Yes, definitely. And then if we ever get to War of the Worlds at some point in the future, we will definitely have you on for that, because I loved War of the Worlds. (laughs) Oh, great. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. All right, that was pretty awesome. Uh, now that we're gonna jump wonderful. right into the op. Uh, we're gonna jump right into the episode synopsis of uh, Doorway to Hell.
3: Okay, Doorway to Hell, first episode of season two. Uh, originally aired on September 26, 1988. A cracked mirror threatens to suck Mickey and Ryan into the underworld. Now that's a very, very simplistic way of viewing this episode. There's way more that goes that actually happens here.
0: Yeah, but they don't. They probably didn't want to give away that Uncle Lewis probably returned, even though that could have probably been uh, made very clear in the very beginning of it. Yeah. This is not like an object that they need to go find either. They actually have it at the shop.
3: Yeah, this mirror is uh, a mirror that was taken from uh, Uncle Lewis's bedroom and then brought downstairs. Correct. So, uh, you know, we see Uncle Lewis's face, you know, apparate inside the mirror throughout this episode, and as he possesses people or one person, Eddie, you see that kind of transition from mirror to body, which is pretty cool.
0: yeah, it's pretty much everybody that we had in the previous episode, uh with the exception of the two crooks, uh Eddie and uh Mike
3: yeah, yeah the uh the the crooks in the beginning, I think try to drive the issue that this is a dangerous situation, you know when the they they kind of go into Uncle Lewis's house and break in. And the mirror shatters, and uh, it's just kind of a a little bit of that mystery that takes us back from the last episode of season one. I kind of like that because it had been a little bit of time since we had seen the last episode of season one. So you know, having that you know last you know last season on Friday the thirteenth of the series, you know, cheesy. I enjoyed
0: it. There was two guest stars who we'll go over right now in this episode, besides Uncle Lewis, who we've already gone over before. One of them is played by, uh, I did not realize this, Lewis uh, Ferrera, Ferrer, And he is a character actor who has been in several television shows, including Breaking Bad. Um, he was in 40 episodes of Stargate Universe, which was the last Stargate show uh, to air before um, It, it kind of like They, they cancelled Stargate Universe And they haven't gone back to Stargate ever since But uh, he's been a, a bit part actor With uh, several television series under his name But this was one of his First projects in the uh, in the 80's That he worked on um, He was also on 24 for a couple episodes He was in Saw 4 He was in uh, He was on the most recent uh The last season of The X-Files um and he's still working today. And then we have Warren Van Avera, Aver, Avera, Avera Avera? Um, another again uh kind of character actor, uh whose career goes back to nineteen seventy. Um, but as of nineteen ninety, he's uh not working anymore and there's no other information about him online. Um and uh Warren played uh Mike. Uh Lewis played Eddie, who is still getting working today.
3: Yeah, just a little note on Mike's costume. Is that not the most 80s overshirt you'd ever seen?
0: They looked like yeah. stoner evil versions of Bill and Ted.
3: It kinda. I mean, the, the the shirt has these drop uh, drop sleeves and it's huge and baggy and it has the tight cuffs around the wrists. So I'm like, wrists. It's like, wow. Is that not the most 80s jacket?
0: It, absolutely. They were. So actually
3: everyone in this episode is dressed 80s because Mickey's outfit you know is kind of falling off of her shoulder. I mean, it's hot, but it you know very very
0: 80s. So the episode begins with the uh the uh pro the um previously on that you mentioned and we find out that uh Uncle Louis right in the beginning is still around. The series... Oh, so I I wanted to point out that we also get a lot of depictions of hell in this episode. And it's very funny that the TV series went to hell before the movie series did.
3: (laughs) Uh, yes. Which is
0: very, very funny considering John D. LeMay, who we have mentioned many a times, crossed over from the TV series to the movie series for Jason Goes to Hell. So, very unusual that uh, this is the... um, you know, this is the uh, this is the swan song season for him, and then uh, he shows back up again in the the movie about hell. The very 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 unusual.
3: Well, hell is depicted with a lot of Spanish moss
0: and a lot of fog. Exactly, and you Uncle, can't
3: spare the money on fog.
0: And Uncle Lewis dresses up like he's uh, from the set of Manos the Hands of Fate visiting hell. <laughs> the guy with the giant oh, hands yeah. on his on his cloak or whatever. Yes, this one, the, the MST3K movie. Right yeah. By the way. Uh, is there anything you want to say about, uh, Mickey when everyone wakes up?
3: Oh, well, she's got the most, uh, attractive nightgown ever.
0: Oh, yeah, and they are just like, um... Like a neighbor's Yeah, she has just got some, uh... It, it must have been cold on that set, let's just say. Tracks of land. <laughs> yeah, everything is just... I at had attention. I'm like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I wonder if she's just like, I'm just going to do this naked, just give me that coat.
3: You know, I, I, I don't really know if she would be, because uh, that might have been a producer's decision.
0: I don't know, I mean, she is a singer, she is a musician, you know how the yeah. musicians are. They are uh, a free spirit.
3: True, but don't stereotype Dr. Chris. Oh, what, don't stereotype <laughs> a musician
0: or uh, a Canadian? Huh? I said don't stereotype a musician or the French. Musician. Oh, okay. <laughs> Cuz she is French too, so. <laughs> I mean, Ro- Robie is. And by the way, in these two episodes that we talk about everybody, there are so many times Robie's accent comes out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like they didn't like have her re-loop her lines with her non-uh European accent.
3: <laughs> you know, if if you are looking at the show uh and you have a little bit of a haze over your eyes, you don't you don't really hear things like that.
0: Uh, Mickey and Ryan's investigation leads them to the spookiest places with the greatest fog machines in ever in existence on sound stages. Because every time they're running through some place, like later on in the episode they go to a graveyard, you can so tell that it's a sound stage because they never show the night sky; it's just fog above well, of them.
3: Of course, of course. You know, but budgets being what they are, and nighttime filming being a bitch that it is, you know, I'll take a sound stage. It's part of the the charm about the show is that it was before a lot of that CGI stuff.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I didn't think they did a terrible job about it, but every time we don't ever, every time somebody's outside and we don't see the sky, it's like, it's so obvious. And you really would have to be um, oblivious to not kind of see that, that this is, you know, a soundstage every time.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I did like the zombie hands in de- The Depiction of Hell, though. Zombie hands coming from the ground.
0: Yeah, uh, that's kind of, again, also reminiscent of something that they would do later on in Jason Goes to Hell. Uh, Jason is dragged down by a bunch of, uh, you know, puppet hands.
3: And also later in the episode, uh, Jack actually has, I guess, the Spanish moss-covered trees start attacking. And I thought for a second, like, is this going to turn evil dead and get a little tree rapey? But no. No, thank
0: God, no. Uh, Network (laughs) television, even though they were on at, what, 11 o'clock at night, according to Elise uh, Wax, uh, who will return to the show at some point, she said that uh, she remembers watching this at, like, 11 o'clock at night sometimes. And that that could be also said the same for um, the Nightmare on Elm Street TV series.
3: After dark.
0: (laughs) I I did notice that in this episode, in the next episode, which we'll get to, they do seem to play, uh, sorry, we do seem to look into the mind of the bad guy a little bit more, and there's less screen time with our main trio. Uh,
3: I I would suppose so, you know, if that's really the tactic. I mean, the, the body count had been pretty high, you know, from between four to six, I believe, usually. So yeah, if they wanted to tone down the amount of killings each episode.
0: Have you seen the movie Insidious or any of its sequels?
3: Oh no. Oh, you I... should
0: watch the movie Insidious because a lot of the time when uh, Ryan and Mickey are running around in the, in the in the afterlife, the netherworld, um, wherever they're you know wherever they're trapped, it the kind of realm looks, of darkness. It looks like the gray in the film Insidious. Hmm. Which, you gotta give the Insidious films credit, and you should watch them. Um, I'm not saying they're all good, but I think one, three, and four were really good. Uh, two is kind of a snooze. Um, mm. It's the only, not just only horror franchise out there, but the only film franchise to feature a 70 something year old woman.
3: Re- is that's a benchmark?
0: That's a huge benchmark. Are you kidding me? Really? Most women. Don't forget, most franchises. If there is even a film franchise with a female leading it, or a female main character, let's just say as a as the uh you know, the, the, the person who's in every film, are women mostly in their twenties, thirties or forties? And oh. if they're in their forties, they had best have some major street cred to their name.
3: I, I I would agree with you there, but I just didn't think that there was a defined glass ceiling for women in the horror genre.
0: There is a defined glass ceiling in almost any film genre when it comes to women in Mr. Zeneca, unfortunately. And that's just, unfortunately, as I just said, the way it is until Hollywood wakes up. And with the way the political powers of things going on right now, it's... A struggle to do so, but I give James Wan and his producers credit for making Lynn Shea the kind of star of the Insidious franchise because she's been the star of three and four, and she was a side character in parts one and two because she didn't even show up until almost halfway to the third quarter of the first movie. But she's the entire focus point of the third film when you have a couple of, uh, you know, hot 20 something year olds pretending to be teenagers running around in both uh, the third and fourth film.
3: I may actually have to check this out. There's there's a lot of horror movies that I just don't touch because either the trailer looks super silly or it looks fairly good, but you're like, eh, do I really want to see that in the theaters? I think it's worth
0: you know, I think it's worth watching all four, and all four are currently on DVD or on Amazon or on Netflix or whatever the whatever streaming site happens to have the rights to show all four films. But they're definitely all four on disc because the fourth one came out in January and came out on disc uh, a couple just a, about a month or two ago. Um, but Lin Shay, again, I'll show, I mean, yeah, she kind of got her start being in um, uh, a New Line Cinema movie because her uh, br- older brother is Bob Shay, the guy who founded New Line Cinema, and mm-hmm. he needed somebody on the set to the Nightmare on Elm Street, and he said, asked his sister if he, she could go over there and fill in for somebody, and she ended up playing Nancy's uh, English teacher. mm Okay. And then later on she got to be known for uh being in uh films like uh, you know, there's something about Mary and and Kingpin.
3: Oh, she's great.
0: Yeah. So she's been in a, she's been around in a few things and uh, not just all horror obviously, but uh she's fantastic when she's on set. Going back to Friday the 13th, that's yes. just basically what this reminds me of when they're in this like gray kind of foggy area.
3: Well, eventually this episode uh Lewis goes back and forth between Eddie's body a number of times and uh this magic mirror uh Jack taps his friend Rashid to help him kind of defeat the evil that's going on here
0: yeah um another thing i want to point out is that uh it it <laughs> uh, this is just a really funny little piece in this whole episode is that mm-hmm. you get uh uh Rashid, while Jack is running around trying to save Mickey and Ryan," as he uh, as by the way, he seems to do a lot, uh yes. Rashid is left back at the uh antique store, gluing the mirror back together.:
3: <laughs> Yes, I, I, apparently it needed to be put back together, and when you glue the pieces back together, it magically reseals itself because you can't see
0: the cracks anymore. Um, no, you can't. It's 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 quite amazing. He must be working with the greatest superglue of the 1980s.
3: <laughs> well, it was bubbling, so I would have to say it's probably a magic superglue. Uh, oh yeah, you stick, uh, you stick it together and goes, bing, and then there, then the the actual crack is gone.
0: The uh, when when the when Eddie is taken possessed of, didn't you think he kind of looked like a zombie? And they just... the first
3: time, yeah, definitely. I mean, that was some heavy makeup the first time he did it. The um, all the other preceding times he there was that a little bit of that sallow cheeks hollow eyes look to the makeup job but it definitely wasn't as drastic as that first time when you have that close up on screen it's like uh like oh my god did it just kill you yeah
0: also they never explain how the hell Jack escapes because one minute he's like trapped in the mirror and the next minute it's like oh I was just in the shower what
3: <laughs> okay okay here's here's my fill in of the situation is that. He raised the shard, you know, the last remaining piece of the magic mirror that Rashid was putting together. That was his kind of communication device. He held it up, and Rashid probably had to, you know, line up the piece with the mirror that he was actually looking through. And in doing so, it magically transported Jack back into the real world. Uh, and, and so Mickey and Ryan believe he's dead because he doesn't transport there at the broken mirrors on that side but just the broken mirror that Rashid was fixing. So I believe that's what happened in that missing scene where he just pops out of the shower.
0: Ah, clever. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I also want to point out that I don't think we see Rashid again. I'm pretty sure we don't. But he's the only really living, recurring character beyond Lloyd, uh, Mickey's uh, fiancé, that, you know, lived. Uh, most recurring characters don't recur for more than just, you know, at all. They're, they're, they're like in an episode, like, like Ryan's mom or stepmother or whatever. Um, yeah, yep. and, and, uh, I mean, you could count the Amish people that Ryan was living with last season, but not really that much of a significant impact as much as Rashid did. So, kudos to the fact they let Rashid live, uh, you know, at the end of this episode. So he'll, he, he, he I like could come back. he's
3: great. He's great. Um, one of the things also within this episode is, um, you know, the, the year anniversary of uncle Lewis's death, that being important, you know, that one year passes and then the dead can, uh, basically barter their freedom, uh, by passing three unspoiled souls. And, uh, you know, that is very important. Uh, anniversaries are also very important with a lot of occult religions. Um, yeah, I, I didn't want to let us pass that little fact by about this episode.
0: Okay. Well, that's pretty much all I got for this episode. Uh, what? the? We got, like, two deaths, right? That's a pretty low body count, yeah. too. Yeah, two deaths. Two deaths, okay. And um, uh, I own a mirror. It hangs in my bathroom. <laughs> so I you do, too. <laughs> I actually own several magic mirrors. Oh, you own several Surprise. magic mirrors. Yes. Magic mirrors.
3: I have a magic mirror by my front door that is enchanted so that you look into it and it will always show you the worst uh, representation of yourself as you're going out. So that if I look good in that mirror, damn, I look good.
0: Did that help and, you through the last, through the last like, nine months?
3: Uh, no, I, I just didn't look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Like, some people can look in the mirror and they can be perfectly fine, but um, I enchant that mirror specifically so that I could have uh, somewhere where I could look and keep adjusting until I get my look perfect and I can go out. Because, you know, I was a model for a time, so. You
0: know, I don't know, Mr. Zenica. you posted a pretty sexy picture of yourself uh, in the last uh, month or so of your pregnancy, so.
3: Yes, because I am a model, and, you know, no matter if I'm – I'm thin or bigger or pregnant or not pregnant, you know, I kind of know my angles. And, um, you know, some some makeup, a good photographer, some good lighting, makes all the difference.
0: Yeah, it definitely looked amazing.
3: Yeah, so I have that mirror. I have uh, several others that are used for different spell works. Um, Yeah, so I definitely have probably mm, half a dozen.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, Again, just the one hanging in my bathroom Um, My uh, I I think that's pretty much it (laughs) Okay Uh, No vanity mirror for me Well, we're going to take a quick break and replay the promo For the Voodoo Mambo And we'll be back with Friday the 13th The series on the Dead TV Podcast
1: Don't be afraid of the dark Unless it's Friday the 13th (laughs) Then, no matter where you hide the spirits will find you. Someone has stolen their soul. They hold the power of an ancient voodoo creed. You her, I believe. The power is terror. And it's coming for you on Friday the 13th, the series. Next week, don't turn out the lights.
0: I'm going to track down whoever did the promos for the Friday the 13th, the series, to have him on the show. <laughs> That would be great. Yeah, he had such great voice. Little uh so when this episode airs it will be on uh Friday, July sixth, twenty eighteen. Uh, So we were actually returning a week ahead of when I originally intended, um, but next week, our next episode will air on Friday the 13th, as we missed Friday the 13th in April, we will be all set for Friday the 13th here in July, which there will be a lot of Friday the 13th drive-in related uh, viewings of the movies uh, happening around. And uh, if you're aware of any Friday the 13th TV viewings, uh, leave us a comment in the comment section below on Facebook or on RadioHorror.com. I know the Friday the 13th groups will probably be posting that they're having Friday the 13th viewing parties. Um, This is a series I've yet to show my girlfriend. I keep meaning to show her at least the first episode because she actually grew up with uh, grandparents who owned antique stores.
3: Oh. Oh, oh. You know, that seems like a grave error on your part. You should definitely show her this episode right away.
0: Yes, I will I will get right to it as soon as possible. I, I just keep meaning to forget about it every time I bring up, like, hey, let's watch this. And we're currently watching The Frankenstein Chronicles, which stars okay. Sean Bean on Netflix, and it's frickin' awesome. Um, I've and, heard that. And I'm showing her um, Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> ah, yeah. I, I'm personally trying to get my uh, partner into Black Mirror. He ah. said it's way too close to actually being reality. So I'm like, Meh.
0: Gotcha, gotcha.
3: Great show!
0: And then on... Uh, so the day after this episode happens to be posted online, on uh, July 7th, uh, 2018, in Worcester, Massachusetts, I will be officiating a ceremony of the wedding of Batman and Catwoman... Um, in honor of Batman number 50, which comes out on July 4th, which is this Wednesday. Woo-hoo! Yes, July 4th, Batman number 50 is published, and it is the wedding of Batman and Catwoman.
3: Wow! Now, this wedding is it a uh, press situation or is it a private wedding?
0: This is going to be held at That's Entertainment in Worcester, Massachusetts, a comic book store. Where I pick up all my comics at.
3: Excellent. Yes.
0: Good plug for
3: the sh- for the store, by the way. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I was at Comic-Con <laughs> yesterday uh, Met some cool celebrities Like Ben Templesmith who worked on Uh, 30 days a night, uh, Holly Golightly and Jim Baliant, uh, the team behind Tarot, Witch of the Black Rose, if you're not familiar with it, look it up. I can't describe it any other way, but please be over 18 when you look it up, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) It is a comic book for mature audiences. I am emphasizing that point. Mr. Zeneca, you you could probably look it up right now. Just take a look at some of the amazing titillating artwork.
3: Yeah, maybe that would be better better served after the show when i have both my hands free.
0: Okay, yes. Look it up and then uh le- just let me know your thoughts. And by the way, this comic book is amazing. Uh the artwork is absolutely really good. Um but the uh reason why I'm, i i'm bringing it up is because the guy who worked who's the artist writer of this comic book wrote uh sorry, drew Catwoman for 66 issues for DC Comics. He launched the first ongoing Catwoman comic book. Oh wow. That nice. purple cat co- Catwoman costume that you see cosplayers wear at conventions sometimes that's actually uh-huh. his design. Mm. So, I don't know what Catwoman is going to be wearing at the wedding. I know Batman uh the cosplayer playing Batman will be in a uh tuxedo in a cowl and cape.
3: Okay, so a little bit more like uh, Bruce Wayne forgot to take off his cowl and cape
0: something like that kind of like okay. um uh, you know in the Lego Batman movie <laughs> okay okay <laughs> uh and I will be wearing a uh, a nice suit but with the Batman tie that I purchased yesterday from my friend uh Jennifer uh who is a uh, pretty well-known co- cosplayer uh Jennifer uh Rin Rinexo. uh her and her husband Ruby Renexo, uh do cosplay in uh, around New Jersey, New York uh and New England
3: Great, yeah my weekend I actually had uh, gone to the Mahoning Drive-In Theater for the Indiana Jones Trilogy. I say trilogy. Uh, <laughs> on the big screen, under the stars. Wow. Wonderful. That's awesome. Mahoning I've never... Drive-In is like a retro theater. It's just like amazing.
0: I've only ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark on the big screen and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I've never seen Temple of Doom or Last Crusade.
3: Uh, you know, if they do this... Uh, movie marathon next year you should totally come for it it is just amazing so it's will. nice uh, kind of out in the middle of nowhere drive-in movie theater is one of the last movie theaters that you know have drive-in movies and they do all retro stuff all the time you know during the season and it's just fantastic
0: interesting interesting yeah. all right we're going to jump right into the episode episode 2 right.
3: okay episode 2 the voodoo mambo Originally aired on October 3rd, 1988, the spirit of a dead voodoo pri- priestess strikes out at the ones who supervised her death.
0: This episode, Jim said that they were cutting down on the violence. The, God, this episode, I think, had more blood in it than any of the other episodes we've ever seen.
3: Uh, No, it's not as bad as some of the others. There's five dead, though. So.
0: But uh, they were yeah, still the kind of violent, factors, weren't they? To... What? They were still kind of violent, weren't they? Uh, yeah. I mean, the people were having their throats ripped out. Yeah.
3: You know, the snake striking, ripping out their throats, and popping up from nowhere, like, hey, and you know, dead. Um
0: The um the guest stars in this episode include uh Joe Seneca, who played Headley, um David Matheson who played Carl, Suzanne Coy, who played the Laosha, La-osha the, the spirit, mm-hmm. and Rachel Crawford, who played uh Stacy. Mm. Uh Joe had been in the Blob. Uh, a Time to Kill, Crossroads, and it was a bit character actor up until he died in 1996. Rachel Crawford, who is still working today, was in When Night Is Falling, DeGrassi, Alphas, which was a uh, canceled show on Sci-Fi Channel. We may cover one day. Um, Between Brothers a lot of a lot of television very little movies um also again a uh, bit part uh actor who again is still getting work today so kudos to her and then the uh, woman who played our villainess uh was uh, again Susan Coy uh was on the aforementioned Mutant Next remember i talked about uh, a lot of crossovers with the independent stuff yep uh Babar which is another show we've mentioned multiple <laughs> times cuz <'cause> Chris <laughs> Wiggins is on Babar Gadget and the Gadgetinas, which I think is like an Inspector Gadget spinoff of some kind. I have
3: never heard of that.
0: Yeah. And she is still currently working today as well. All right. Cool. And the episode uh, was directed by Timothy Bond, who we have mentioned uh, several times in uh, regards to Friday the 13th, uh, having worked on uh, Goosebumps as well and Alfred Hitchcock Presents and War of the Worlds.
3: Awesome. You know the name of this episode? Uh, the Voodoo Mambo? Uh, for those unfamiliar with the term, mambo, it's actually the name used uh, for a high priest, a female high priest in Voodoo. Oh,
0: so. really? What's funny is I was thinking about this song when I was going uh, going over the episode. Oh, no. Let me play you a clip from this song real quick. <laughs> And that's Screamin' Jay Hawkins with "I Put a Spell on You." For anybody not familiar with that song, (laughs) most people probably today who might not know who Screamin' Jay Hawkins is, uh, because he's not very—he's not played on radio as often as you would think, even around Halloween time. But most people probably know that song being sung by this woman.
2: I put a spell on you, and now you're
3: mine. You can not talk to things I do. I lie. No! Been no! Oh, 300 years, right down to the day.
0: And for anyone who wasn't able to get that, that is Bette Midler from Hocus Pocus, a Disney movie from 1993. And Cult Classic. And Cult Classic. So if you're not familiar with Screaming Jay Hawkins, you are probably familiar with Bette Midler. All right, what do you have for information about voodoo? Why don't we get that out of the way first?
3: Okay, well, here is the thing. You know, with voodoo, there's actually a lot of different sects, just like how in Christianity there's Protestant and, you know, uh, evangelical. I mean, there's a lot of different sects. Voodoo is the same way. Uh, So there is Haitian voodoo, there's hoodoo, there's voodoo. different ways that people actually portray it. Uh, the way that they're portraying it here with the uh, direction on the elements, I actually couldn't pinpoint exactly which denomination that comes from, but the way it was presented allows me to believe that it was legitimate. And then when we talked with uh, our special guests and confirmed the fact that, yes, this the one that they're actually using is a legitimate form, some of the things that they used, uh, like the names like Legba, Legba is actually a, a Loa, and Loa are kind of the uh, communication gods. Mm-hmm. They're not, a Loa can a, and have been at one time a human, and then the Loa kind of a spirit ascends or becomes a conduit between the god and or the gods and Earth. So there is a lot involved, you know, but... The things that they state in this episode are rather true. Like every loa has a a price. Like you have to pay them tobacco, alcohol, uh, dance, song, treats, sugars. You know, every loa is different, and there are hundreds of loas, each doing a different thing or a different um, you know something that they're in control of. You know, one that you could uh, ask for. Um, in health or one is for wealth. And you know Baron Sametti, which has the connotations to go with the uh, Getty Nepo that they mentioned in the in the episode, those are kind of uh, interchangeable in many circles uh, because they are both spirits of the dead, you know, the leaders. Uh, Baron Semedi, there is at the end of the episode a, a floor drawing that has what looks like a coffin shape with a man with a top hat drawn on the ground, and that is a representation of Baron Samedi.
0: Ah. Uh, Here's my big question. Did we establish yet, I can't remember because it has been a few, a couple months since we've been covering Friday the 13th, where did we say Curious Goods is taking place? Uh, It is a mystery, but I
3: think we were trying to figure out whether it was the Chicago-ish area.
0: Or Canada. (laughs) Just straight up Canada. Well, I mean...
3: Yeah, it's it is Canada, but
0: how big the, of a voodoo population is in Canada?
2: <laughs>
3: well, remember, you we know the this story entire... is supposed to be kind of ambiguous as to where it's actually taking place because they're close enough to the ocean for us to have lighthouse uh, it's items. True,
0: they're definitely not in like where does okay? Let's 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 point out most voodoo settings seem to take place in. New Orleans, correct?
3: Most settings, yes. Yes, like even though um, it's um, actually like the Caribbean. Correct. Florida. Or ha- ha-
0: ha- Haiti. Um but in America Oceanic. in America, most voodoo settings for T V series or movies take place in New Orleans. Adam Green's um Hatchet series has uh a lot of voodoo references in it in, ca- in fact Tony Todd uh plays a character called uh um uh Papa Voodoo, Papa Midnight, no Papa something other Voodoo. He plays like a Voodoo kind of guy, but it's all a tourist act. Um, I'm thinking of Brother Voodoo, the character from Marvel Comics. Um, ah, nah. He he, he well, is set in New Orleans, and okay. uh, Papa well, Midnight. The reason
3: the pa- reason that a lot of things are set in New Orleans uh, is because I mean I love New Orleans. I have been there at least now four times, and the the ground itself carries an energy. And in New Orleans and the surrounding areas, you can actually feel that kind of buzz of the occult. Whether it's the people that had put that type of energy in there or that type of energy resides in that bay and therefore the people moved here. It is just amazing. And then the mystery of New Orleans, it's something that you want to peel back, but you're kind of afraid to peel it back for what you might find out underneath. And that intrigue is the reason why I'm going to retire there someday.
0: Hmm. Um, and you could also be uh, closer to your fellow Queen of the Damned, Anne Rice.
3: That's true, but I have less of a preference for her since she kind of went Christian.
0: Uh, I don't know, she kind of flip-flopped back. I mean, she has been writing the Vampire Chronicles again. There's been two vampire books that have come out.
3: That just makes me trust it less.
0: Uh, you got to read them before you you, you say that. <laughs> uh, and she's working on that TV series too, with uh, I think a uh, HBO or, or a CW, one of the two. There is okay so uh, Mickey and Ryan meet the guardian of fire and she is this uh incredibly attractive woman named Stacy who Ryan is just smitten with immediately um and I just want to point out right now that this is the first woman Ryan has fallen in love with and totally wants to bang that doesn't die at the end of the episode <laughs>
3: True, but it was a flirtatious attraction, but it wasn't an overt thing. He didn't actually take her on a date, because if he actually took her on a date, she would guarantee you'd have been dead.
0: Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's holding her hand at the end of the episode. He's very, like, into her. I think they went on a date. They may not have banged, but I think they went on a date. So, <laughs> she never returns, so we hope that she lives they, a prosperous they celebrate life. celebrate
3: the Solstice celebration together.
0: Right. Like, let's give Ryan some love, and even if it's some voodoo love... <laughs> You know he's going to be well protected at least He's with a woman who can hold her own And she's not some, like, waif that needs his protection Or some Amish girl Oh, true, true I mean, she's the goddess of fire She's a voodoo priestess She can, I mean, again, we're talking about in the context of fiction people She can conjure, you know, whatever spells the writers want to give her for voodoo stuff To fight bad... Uh, spirits or or people possessed by objects. Now the object in question happens to be a mask which is the most hideous looking thing I've ever seen and is like a snake thing like a snake mask with a snake tongue that comes out Um... Yeah, yeah,
3: it was pretty cool actually that the snake darting out uh, when it actually grabs the, the neck and rips out that piece and they said that the you know, the soul actually resides in the throat
0: Yes. yes. Yeah, right rips the throat right out, um, and and it's it's pretty darn bloody. Uh, we got this guy. Uh, what what is the name of the man who's uh, squandered his inheritance? Oh, Carl. Carl, who has squandered his inheritance, and his lawyer is just like, "That's what you get." Goodbye. And what's funny is that the lawyer doesn't like get revenged upon. You know what I mean? This is like a character who's sticking it to our. Uh, villain, and you think that he's going to get his comeuppance later on, even though, by the way, he's only doing his job. And he doesn't. You notice that?
3: Yeah. um, Later in the episode, Ryan actually goes to his house, and I thought, okay, well, you know, just like with all the other places, he either gets there right in the nick of time when something happens, or is going to be entangled in something that happens. But nope, he just gets some information and confirms the story of uh, the spoiled little rich kid and, you know, confirms the path of where the mask went in the years. Yep. That, that's really about it. Just confirmation of their theories.
0: Yeah. Also, how long is this voodoo festival and how many days pass in the episode? Because from beginning of the episode to the very end when they roll credits, the festival's still going on.
3: I don't know, but uh, solstice festivals can be anywhere from one day to three days.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So that's, that is what they're celebrating.
3: Yes. Summer solstice.
0: Um, there's a hilarious line. Have you ever seen, of course, I mean, of course you have. This is a stupid question. You've seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, correct? Of course. This line from Buffy the Vampire Slayer absolutely reminded me of this episode. Do
2: you like my mask?
0: Isn't it pretty? It raises the dead. Uh, Giles driving down the street in the second episode of season three, uh, a, uh, a voodoo mask brings people back to life and turns them into zombies or has control over zombies or something. Now, there's no zombies in this episode, but people messing around with masks that they shouldn't be reminded me of Giles' line, being pissed about the bloody Americans. (laughs) Because that's the last thing he says, don't you like my mask? Isn't it pretty? It raises the dead. Americans. (laughs)
3: Yeah, and Carl, upon seeing it, immediately puts it on.
0: Oh my god, like, jeez, I mean, between him and Jim Carrey, who's worse?
3: <laughs> Jim Carrey was harder to control, because uh, that that mask was, you know, makes him bounce around the room and all that.
0: Yes, true. But less murdery. Uh, yeah, absolutely, but uh, Ben Stein describing the mask in uh, in uh, Jim Carrey's film is an absolute hilarious scene. Where he's just like, I'm talking about inner masks, Mr. Lipkin. This is just made of wood.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So basically the plot line of this episode is that Loesia created this mask to control the other plantation workers who were superstitious. And uh, she enchanted this mask to scare them bring her power she believed that she could uh, take people's souls and it turns out that she could um uncle lewis gets his hands on the mask and therefore kind of turns it into a, a further thing of evil and sells it to a jeremiah walters who then uses it uh, to bring prosperity to his plantation.
0: Now, in all fairness, though it's not Uncle Lewis so much. Um, Uncle Lewis made the deal with the devil, and everything got cursed. Now, here's the thing, Uncle Lewis. If you remember in the very first episode, because I, I remember, uh, I, I, I've met, I've said that before, and you have. This is the second time you have said that. Uncle Lewis, uh, the very beginning in the first episode was. Unaware of how bad the damage was gonna be caused by these objects and the deal he made, and it wasn't until he became a spirit and was trapped in hell that he started becoming kind of an asshole.
3: I guess.
0: I just don't think Uncle Lewis. Every time we see
3: Uncle Lewis, he's kind of an ass.
0: I just don't think Uncle Lewis in the very beginning, in the very first episode, was an ass, that he was a good guy. He made a huge mistake, everything got out of control. He was trying to collect all the objects, he didn't want that doll to be let go. And then when he became a spirit, because becoming a spirit can twist you, uh, he was trapped in hell, of course. So he, be- he started, you know, he became evil because of it. But before that, he was just a, a dumb guy who made a big mistake. So he's a victim of his own, um, you know, stupidity.
3: Um, Maybe, maybe. You know, he does have that moment of regret when he turns away from his assignment that he committed to the devil, uh, but does one moment of regret equal uh, or, or be more valuable than a year or whatever he was tre- He was uh, spreading out these objects across the country? I don't know. True. I think he took some sort of crude enjoyment from it. And then that kind of shows through as his spiritual form. Because he has no qualms about putting his blood relatives in mortal peril. And sometimes even just wanting to kill them, like as we saw in previous episodes. And I think someone that had value for other people that he was giving these objects to would not be doing that to his own blood relatives.
0: No, again, I just think he was corrupted by the devil and hell and stuff.
3: Yeah, definitely. But to what extent? I, I think that was there all along.
0: Hmm, maybe.
3: Alright, so Loentia actually has to uh, convince Carl, which doesn't take a lot of work, to kill the four priestesses of the elements so air, water, earth, and fire. And uh, they accomplish it, for the most part, until the very end when it comes to dawn. And everything falls apart. Ah,
0: the 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 flashback sequences not flashback but they kept doing these weird cuts between like certain scenes it was really jarring and kind of took me out of the episode o- overall uh, but in the end I thought the I, entire episode was really good uh, I just didn't like those little f- black and white sequences
3: you know I like those I thought it was uh, interesting that those were actually documentary clips but I I really liked it it was like the flashback memories.
0: Oh, uh, I don't know. I just think it could have just been done better. Fair
3: enough, fair enough.
0: Now, this is the first shows... This is the first time the show has had a prominently strong... I wouldn't say African, but uh, uh, Haitian-American or, you know, black characters on the show. Uh, as far as I can remember in season three... Sorry, season one for the 26 episodes, other than Rashid we really have not had a lot of minorities. It's been a pr- prominently white cast. And does that probably have something to do with the fact that they're filming in Canada, and Canada has a large Caucasian, you know, um, ca- acting uh, uh, a- yeah. actors it, it, in it 1980s. also is
3: the Times, too. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a lot of openings for uh, people of color on television.
0: Now, I, don't, I didn't want to ask this of our guest because... Um, you know he doesn't have a lot of control sometimes over what they're going to put into it but the first time we do have a strong black cast it's involving voodoo yeah
3: yeah but we have to say that uh what it, is ideal for us
0: it's not something that would happen today 30 years later true but it, let's just say this i guarantee that if this show was made today if they can get through all the crap involving uh, the lawsuit, which at the end we will get in a little bit more detail about what's going on um, with that, because I do think we should cover it, because we are covering a show called Friday the 13th. Chris Wiggins wouldn't have been cast. The cousins either both would have been black, mixed race, or Chris would have been black. Or Jack. If
3: it was, if it was made today?
0: Correct, yeah. To, 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 if we're going to have three main characters in every episode, and that's it. One of them would have been black, not all white. Correct. And
3: Representation I, matters.
0: Correct. And I think that either Chris would have been—I—I I, I really strongly believe the cousin still would have been white, and and Jack would have been black.
3: It's a good possibility.
0: Yeah. If you had cast these three actors, the three characters—if you could cast the three characters today, who would you cast as Chris, uh, Ryan, and Mickey?
3: Oh, damn, don't put me on the spot. Not I Chris, have to think sorry, about Jack. this.
0: Yeah, all right, so you got till next week, because we're recording okay. every week, every single week, everybody, and except for the last weekend of the month, because last week of the month I need a week off from Radio Bar. We are going to come back with our choices of who we would cast as the three main characters.
3: Yeah, I'll give it some thought and get back to you.
0: Yeah, and keep it three main characters. We don't need a okay. large ensemble cast for this type of show. Regarding Friday the 13th, the movie franchise, uh, which I believe does connect, involve the TV series. Um, Before we stopped recording for Spawn, it came down that Friday the 13th, the video game, unfortunately was not allowed to create any more content due to the lawsuit between Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham, who created the Friday the 13th movie and the character Jason Voorhees. Now, obviously Jason has nothing to do with the show. We've, talked about that many a times but the name friday the 13th is involved with this lawsuit it is connected to it because it's called friday the 13th could they come back with a show called friday's legacy curious goods friday's curse whatever the other titles of the show were yes but they probably can't this show is like an is is a joint show of like cbs and Whoever owns the Friday the 13th franchise. Uh, someone told me it's still Warner Brothers. Someone told me, no, it's Paramount because of a deal that happened involving the movie uh, in uh, uh, what, what, Insidious? No. Inception? No. What well, is the movie where Matthew McConaughey goes to space? Matthew McConaughey. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's Anne Hathaway. <laughs> Anne Hathaway had a robot that was like a giant block. Oh. Solaris? So. That movie. Pol-
3: Polaris?
0: No, no. Anyway, oh. that movie was made by Warner Brothers and Paramount. And in order for. Par- and then Warner Brothers wanted all of the distribution rights to that movie because it was a Christopher Nolan film. They knew what that meant because Christopher Nolan's name carries a ton of weight with people who go to movies, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. So I believe I read somewhere, and I'm completely wrong, maybe. Hey, leave a comment. Just point me to the right article. Uh, uh, Paramount said We will give you all the distribution rights To uh, this film We want the rights to Friday the 13th back Now that means that that I I believe Warner Brothers agreed to it Because they weren't doing anything with it So they sold them the rights to Friday the 13th So they could get all the rights to one movie uh, Made by Christopher Nolan Who's a big director And they weren't doing anything with Friday the 13th And I think Paramount was going to start getting Friday the 13th Going again as the movie involving Jason But then the lawsuit happened and, as far as i 'm aware from uh, Larry Zerner uh, who played Shelley in friday the 13th part three d he 's an actual lawyer in real life. He went over about the uh, information regarding the lawsuit for anyone who doesn 't speak lawyer to break it down for you. so check it out there under his Twitter or go to friday the thirteenth series dot com friday thirteenth uh, film dot com I believe is the website they 've written an article about us by the way, uh, covering this TV series back when we first started doing it. Um, but they've been the biggest news source regarding the, the lawsuit, and they said this, do- this affects all properties with the title Friday the 13th, which includes the show. Interesting. So, not that I've seen any information about them doing a revival of this TV series, it's just always been something fans have asked for because there's you know, a huge market for horror television. You know We are still in a, uh, a booming market for horror TV on the air. It was bigger a few years ago when you had like 12 horror television shows on the air.
1: Yeah, some of them have
0: ended. You know, we don't have True Blood anymore. The originals ended. Vampire Diaries ended. Uh, Bates Motel ended. Uh, But we still have The Walking Dead. We still have Z Nation. We still have Preacher. We still have uh, American Horror Story. And I
3: think Lucifer got Lucifer
0: finally got picked up, so that's technically kind of a horror show. We have Stranger Things. It's the biggest show on streaming. Love it. So there are a lot of horror shows that are still out there, and there are more coming. So it is a prime time to have Friday the 13th come back in a different way. Don't call it Friday the 13th would be the best idea. Regardless, regardless, we will be back in a week with uh, two more episodes of Friday the 13th, the TV series. As I said at the beginning of the episode, we're going to be covering every single episode. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully Mr. Zeneca is as well.
3: Oh, of course I am. (laughs) Of course you are. Don't be ridiculous. Don't
0: be ridiculous. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Dead TV Podcast. Don't forget you can check us out on uh, Facebook at the Dead TV Podcast website. uh, sorry, Facebook page. And go to RadioHorror.com and check out all the previous episodes we just did for Spawn, the Animated Series. Uh, uh, we will be doing a Spawn the Movie uh, fan commentary as soon as we find the five minutes to do it. I just haven't had a chance to really look at my schedule, so that will be up at some point as well. Just like I said, between seasons two and three, we will probably cover uh, do a fan commentary for Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah. For obvious reasons. So. <laughs> thank All you. right. Yes, thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, you can find us at Christy Sav. Uh, and you can also go to our Patreon, which is something I was supposed to plug at the beginning of the episode, but I completely forgot to do this. So reverse it a little bit more next week, but uh, I'm glad we got at least all the celebrity guests out of the way at the very beginning of the episode. So that was a different thing that we were doing as well. So, uh, And I think, it, I think it worked. Yes. worked. Yeah.
3: let's do it this, this way. Give away yeah. your
0: Twitter, uh, Zeneca.
3: Okay, my Twitter is at Elegantly Kinky. You can find me there or join any of my parties if you're in Philadelphia.
0: Definitely, definitely. Go to uh, her website uh, for more information, or Mr. Zeneca on Facebook for her fan page to find out where those events are happening. Thank you, Mr. Zeneca, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.
1: Hold on! With no way out, take a peek at what awaits the damned. Get out! Yes, you did. On Friday the 13th, the series. Next week, you will learn the meaning of fear.